What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode 382. My name is Steve, and as always, I'm joined by Ron and John. Guys, how are you both? Good. Good. Really good. John? Good. Just shaking your head good. All right. Good. Cool, 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 cool. I was trying to see if I could be nonverbal with it just because all yeah. I was going to say was good. Um, and then it didn't work. So <laughs> I got called out. <laughs> there we are. There we are. Um, so on today's episode, uh, John had picked Last Action Hero uh, last week for his required viewing. And uh, we had mentioned that it was on Netflix if you wanted to watch along with us before we discuss it this episode. If you're listening to this episode and you haven't watched it yet, you have one day left. You have today. Yeah. yeah you have one day you want to watch it on Netflix <laughs> as a part of your subscription because it leaves tomorrow. Dang um, it. But we'll talk about that in a second. And then uh, the feature review today, John and Ronald were able to go to the advanced screening, the press screening for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So um, I'm excited to hear what they thought about the newest indie chapter. Was Um, it or (laughs) (laughs) what a tease right there? You'll have to listen to find out. Um, And then, yeah, at the end, we'll just kind of mention a couple other things if either of us or any of us have seen it. Um, anything worth mentioning, uh, just as a little teaser, uh, I'll say it again at the end of the episode, but I want to say it before I forget at the end, next week's episode, we're going to do a special TV shmeevy and just do an overall catch up on what we've been watching on TV. So we may not mention anything television related this episode. And you may wonder why that is why we're going to do it all next week. Um, so, um, yeah, it's something to look forward to as well. There's a lot of good stuff to talk about television related, but we're going to, we're going to table that for a bit. Um, so let's get into required viewing. John, tell us about Last Action Hero, why you picked it, and let's uh, let's let's get talking about it. Well, I mean, you know, I th- I think I said this last time that this was a case of, I think a, a fun thing to do with required viewing. Sometimes it's like I want to hear what you guys think of a movie that I know really well, or maybe a movie that I have used to love but I haven't seen in a while, or something like that. Um, but this is one where it's like I saw this movie once pretty much on opening night. I believe this is when my friends and I pretty much would go to the theater um, to see whatever the biggest movie was that weekend. And I I did not feel like this movie made a huge impression on me at the time. I was 20. Um, I, but I've noticed guys who are a little bit younger than me, uh, such as you guys and our friend Bob Rose, it's like it hit them at a, at a more crucial time. And so this movie has always been kind of talked about amongst people that I that I uh, you know, enjoy talking about movies with as one that made an impression. And then only very recently did it dawn on me that like, oh, this was a flop that um, I think modern audiences might be able to embrace the sort of meta aspects of this movie that might have kind of missed people. I, I don't really think it's true that, ni- that in 1993, people didn't get this movie and that's why they didn't like it. But I do think that that maybe people were not quite sure what to make of this movie when it came out or what to expect from an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie at this point. So, um, and then of course we very recently found out from the Arnold doc on Netflix that this was an embarrassment for Arnold, that this was a big budget uh, movie that did, it didn't, it didn't make less than its budget, but it made, it didn't make nearly as much as they were hoping it would given that it cost, uh, I don't know, 80 million or something like that. And it Mm. made like 130 or something, but it was expected to make a lot more than that. Um, it, it, it was him reteaming with, um, John McTiernan, who, you know, had directed some pretty important giant uh, action Pred- movies, Predator, including yeah. including, yes, with with Arnold Predator. But also he's the guy who made Die Hard. He's the guy who made The Hunt for Red October. Um, 
So you know, the, 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 you, you can see you, you can see the sort of like uh, the sort of um, I don't know the expectation that this would be one uh, in the long line of that kind of giant action smash, uh, and and yeah. yet and I still think that box office sounds respectable. A lot of people were going to see this movie, but it, it, it has grown in the years since it seems like now people talk about this movie. And I do think it's maybe a, a demographic thing. It's people of your age group that grew up with it and, and have been talking about it more. So yeah, I felt like it was a fun one to reassess for this. And uh, so I watched it for the second time, uh, you know, just today. <clears throat> What's your history with this movie, Ronald? Um, I was kind of obsessed with it when I was younger. Um, I thought that, I mean, if if you would have told me based on just the promotion of it that this wasn't a hit, I wouldn't have believed you. I would have said, shut up, you stupid liars. That makes no sense. Because I saw it everywhere. It was like billboards, the the iconic outfit that he had, <laughs> the the red shirt with the yeah, I would you say know. you you probably would have said that when you were like 11 at that time. And you'd also say that now. Right. Yeah. Like that's the consistent piece is that you would have the same response. And I and I second that as well. Yeah, man. <laughs> like there was like a deceiving amount of promotion for this movie that would have had you believe that this was a hit. However, now looking back at the movie, there was no way that this movie could have worked back then. Not Not for what it was tackling. For for like the in and out of the the meta sort of postmodern thing that it was trying to pull off, like to the point where like somebody turns to the camera midway through the turn, uh, you know, it's just like it was three years before Scream, and Scream was the first one that I remember some people acknowledging and being like, "Man, this is a commentary on the genre." And this was tackling it three whole years before in a way that felt very, like, interesting. Um, but it, it, it was balancing a lot of things that I don't know if it could have juggled necessarily. Like, it, the, the kid was fucking annoying as hell. <laughs> it was very hard to handle. Like, and I think that may have helped, like, if the kid was more likable. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is really doing a pretty modest thing in this movie like i think he's trying to be like you know heartfelt at times well i mean like i do want to can we maybe table the arnold of it just because oh sure talking sure, about sure. but i mean like i because i do think getting into the acting and stuff i have some things to say about that but I'd i really want to sure. talk with you guys about arnold yeah, but yeah yes you're right i think that i mean i think like i said i think it's a combination i think people who did get it maybe thought it was a little a little like critics and stuff probably weren't unable to appreciate that it was meta but yeah. i do think maybe people would miss the i don't know the kind of fun to be had with something like this it wasn't trying to it was kind of state of the art for 1993 sure. but it was also kind of doing heightened stuff to sort of poke fun at at the way action movies were made in the years before that so it's an interesting thing where it's almost like a get out of jail free card for this movie that anything you want to point out about it as a criticism someone can say oh that's part of the joke that's part of the meta thing 100%. I, think, I think you yeah, can absolutely. tell the difference in this movie between this moment is meta and that's why it's that's why it's corny and then the handful of like legitimately corny or jokes that just don't land or whatever there is a difference in this movie but what you're saying is very true ronald that like later this would become the assumed thing yeah. anytime you watch a, a movie that's like like you're assumed that the people writing it are self-aware about the genre that they're in and that they're trying to 
outguess the audience that already knows this genre so much. But this movie was kind of like before that level of, I don't know if it's cynicism or irony or something was creeping into the way that people receive these movies. What about you, Steve? Was it kind of the same thing? It hit you at that young age. And do you remember going to see this in the theater? Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say this is this is yeah, I'm I'm 12, I guess at this point or oh really 11. 12. I, wow. I think I'm I think I'm 11. I don't know what was this uh, June of 93, right? Yeah, so yeah, I was gonna say a, 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 I thought you meant now. Elephant, I'm the, sorry. The, yeah, yeah, the elephant in the room is like you know I, I can remember seeing Jurassic Park the week before this. Oh, you know, wow. and then going to see this, and I'm you sorry. know that that's a big thing. You know what I mean? And I think uh, that said, like, you know, the Jurassic Park has always been talked about in terms of like, you know, the impact that that movie's performance and legacy and history, you know, had on everything in the, in the weeks following it at the box office. But, um, beyond the, like that, I, like that memory, I can remember seeing this movie in the theater and, you know, very vividly, you know, Austin O'Brien, like kind of being like a, like a, I don't know, what's the word, like a. Uh, an avatar for myself you know like thinking about like these action movies that i grew up loving and even the ones that are kind of mentioned or parodied in the movie um just being kind of like surreal to me at that point you know again i'm 11 going right. to 12 and it's just yeah. like that idea is just kind of crazy to me and uh the the fourth wall of it all and like yeah you know, things like that were just so wild because yeah you're right screen would come out a few years later and just completely change my world and, you know, that's as everybody that listens to this and you guys know, it's one of my favorites of all time. But I think when you take a star like like Arnold and you take a lot of the movies that are mentioned in the in in Last Action Hero or at least kind of referred to or winked at, you know, some Arnold movies and some not Arnold movies, uh, some actors and actresses having cameos in the movie in the real world in, in the Slater verse, you know, as themselves, as the celebrities that we knew them to be and know them to yeah, be yeah. versions of them like. That all was just crazy to me as a but kid. But also and there's I, the in, in, indication <clears throat> that some fictional characters are just it, part of this hub, like right. the police station, Catherine uh, uh, Trammell, uh, Sharon Stone from Basic Instinct is standing Same, out in front. Yeah. I think we're supposed to believe that's her. So, right. so there's like a movie world that it interacts. Yeah. But 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 I think it's one thing that's important, Steve, too, is that outside of that, there's not a lot of direct spoofing of movies, which is another thing that makes this feel sort of like it's carving its own little unique spot, is that it's not like a specific, it's not like Loaded Weapon or something like that, where right, it's right, spoofing right. those things. It's like all those jokes and references you're talking about are, are part of this kind of world building that that the movie pulls off or you know at least tries to pull off and i think does a pretty good job of setting up the difference between here's how things happen in the movies and here's how things happen yeah. in the world we know and i also like place this movie in a, in a spot of my memory like where and this is early 90s and you know maybe not even 10 years later it would never be possible again but like this multi-tiered uh like marketing approach to a movie, you know, the idea of Arnold coming off of T2 and doing this in between that and true lies, like mm -hmm. arguably two of his best films. And like the idea of like the soundtrack for the movie and him and characters from the movie being in the music video for the soundtrack, like filmed for the music video, like not just clips from a movie, you know, interacting with the bands that are, that are on the soundtrack. Um, and, and at that time, you're talking about bands, you know, huge rock, you know, modern rock, you know, metal bands, you know, just huge, huge bands like uh, what ACDC, yeah. 
Megadeth, Alice in Chains, Def Leppard, Aerosmith, like huge. Cypress Hill's on the soundtrack. Like it's just a crazy soundtrack. And, you know, the soundtrack goes on to go platinum. You know, this is like a high performing tracking charting soundtrack. Um, And I don't know. So like it's all it's all like mashed together for me because you also had the video game that came out for this. And I remember having the video game and having the soundtrack. And, you know, Arnold was the guy, you know, especially still in those early 90s films um, that he was kind of what a lot of the action star, quote unquote, was measured against. So to see, you know, a movie like this that would ultimately, even at that time, I did have a sense of like it not doing well and people not really seeming to like it. But honestly, my memory clearly of it is that I I love this movie as an 11 year old and, and rewatching it for the podcast. Like I still really enjoy the movie, like everything it's doing, even though at times it does feel like some of the tone, uh, you know, of the movie kind of is a little unbalanced or like maybe they went too far one way or the other yeah. uh, with it. But as, as a whole, like, it still works for me. I mean, it's still rather entertaining. And I just, I really enjoy Arnold in most things that he's in, to be blunt. I mean, it's, it's still unusual, right? Like, this is still, very, very. Uh, watching it, you know, even 30 years later, there's not that many movies that are like this. Like, again, I'm not talking about spoofs. There's been tons of genre spoofs, but not one that tries to, even the kind of annoying aspect of the kid is like a very sincere effort to say, maybe it is saying for the audience members, here's you, but also right. just the movie fan. Like in my mind, I thought, would I like this movie better if it was like a Justin Long type playing kind of a slacker, older guy <laughs> movie buff? And I was like, maybe right. it would work better for me on, on if that were the case. Like, yeah, yeah. just because it's a lot of pressure to put on a child actor to carry this movie and to be kind of the, the smart alecky kind of, I mean, that's another way this movie is kind of of its time. And I don't really think it was trying to comment on the like overly precocious kid. It was just using that. But again, for the audience, it was intending to really appeal to. That's that's brilliant. That's just in the kind of Amblin tradition of like having a kid at the at the center of a movie. Um, but I, yeah, like I, I, I was going to get to the Jurassic Park thing, Steve. But that when I looked that up, I realized like, oh, no wonder I didn't have much mental space for Last Action Hero when I saw it in 1993. I was probably between my second and third viewing of of Jurassic Park uh, in the theater. And I I was reading the making of book and I was rereading <clears throat> the novel. And I mean, I was going deep into Michael Crichton. I was all that stuff. I, Jurassic Park hit me like a wrecking ball, it, as uh, Miley Cyrus yeah, would. Yeah. She should later do a song about that. Um, <laughs> my experience it, yeah, it came Park. in like a wrecking ball. Yeah, so, it, did. it did. So, like, uh, I think there was this kind of um, that was a huge, like, a, 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 it was still in the blast zone of Jurassic Park. And that's a huge reason why I was like, I went to see it out of obligation. <clears> but I think in my mind, I was like, I'm, I'm still you know, back in that world. Um, but I, I think another thing that's kind of interesting about this movie is the, um, like, it's hard to trace what was going on around that time that did anything like this, having Arnold Schwarzenegger appear as himself opposite his character and be like a vapid Hollywood version of himself, but not like a total caricature. You know, it's like, and it, and I looked this up because I was like, the only other thing I could think of around that time, the Larry Sanders show, uh, Gary Shandling's uh, mock talk show that had that was one of the first real places where it's like celebrities come here to play themselves and yeah. it's a heightened version of themselves, you know, um, and maybe not a flattering portrayal of themselves. And that was in 92. So maybe that was like one of the only things out there culturally that like expected you to get that idea, not just in this. Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the actor 
is playing against his character, but you're going to see a version of Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's him, but he's, he can't stop promoting planet Hollywood and his wife is mad at him, whatever, like silly little gag. That's like reminded me of the kind of stuff a celebrity would come on the Larry Sanders show and do where like, they would have a, a particular joke. Like, um, uh, what's her name? Lori Laughlin. Is that her name? Who was on, uh, well, she came on there and she was like, I think a, a kleptomaniac and kept stealing things around the place. And it's like at the end of the episode, everyone's like, God, this sucks, you know, but, uh, um, you know, that kind of thing. I think now we see that and we don't even think about it. Celebrities play heightened versions of themselves. And it's almost like the more into caricature you go, the more the audience knows it's a joke and it's not you. And so like the less risky it is, but the yeah. closer to you that you play it and still make it a joke is actually way funnier because then some people might not get that it's not you, you know? And I think the Arnold in this is just a slightly tweaked version of the real Arnold. He seems a little bit simple, but he's like, he almost is more natural playing himself than he is playing the character that he's playing in the movie, like the flow of everything. I don't know. So let's talk a little bit about Arnold because that's one thing I think is interesting about this movie is that like you rarely do you have two separate kind of hammy forms of acting opposite each other. Arnold at his peak doing a spoof of what he normally does. There's an extra little thing going on in his mind of like, I'm going to do what I normally do, but I'm going to play the funny version of it. There's a right. little extra. And then he's opposite the precocious kid actor of the time. So you have one person whose energy is like, oh, really? Is that what you're going to do? Acting opposite against, uh, against this, like, I don't know. What do you think we should do? You know, like super sincere, like you were saying, Ronald, playing this so earnestly, almost <laughs> underplaying this character. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at times there are scenes that it's just like, this is like no other scene I've ever seen. This kind of kind of hammy, sarcastic kid. And then Arnold, who does whatever you think of his acting, he, he's doing something no one else does. And he sounds yeah. like nobody else. And I don't know, like, uh, where do you kind of rank this in your in your Arnold pantheon, Ronald? Something happened when I was watching it, man. Like, um, so sometimes I'll watch something and like the nostalgia is like there and then I watch it and it falls off. Mm -hmm. Something happened, it, like intensified. Like it was something about how weird this movie is, how, you know, Damon Wayans has a blank man hat on. <laughs> it's just like... The combination of the weird things, yeah. as we just talked, I just bought it on 4K. <laughs> like, I just bought it. I just bought it for like a still Mission accomplished. I, I should get a cut of that. I hope, I hope yeah. the studio sends me a kickback for picking come, this movie. Come see it with me. Come watch it with me. Yeah. It, it's, it, I mean, I had, a, I had a super advantage. I watched a remastered copy. It was incredible. The, the Atmos track that they used for it is incredible sounding. So it was like every explosion, every shot, everything sounds nuts. But also like, I like seeing Arnold making these wild swings. I think that I don't know if anybody would have done it like him. I don't know if anybody, there's like this capsule of crazy, like this perfect amount of nuts that only Arnold would take on. Like, I don't know, like even the, the tooth fairy by the rock isn't quite as crazy of a swing as this movie. Well, is. I mean, like I, I looked because I was curious about this, Ronald. And before this movie, he had mm -hmm. done, um, he had done. Uh, 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 sorry, where am I here? Oh, he had done Twins. I guess Red Heat was kind mm -hmm. of a kind of a comedy. Yeah. He'd done Twins. <laughs> he'd done Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, and he had appeared as himself in Dave. So I guess what I'm saying is, it had been established that he could still have a hit 
doing something other than his usual action star yeah, thing. So yeah, this was sure. kind of like a an attempt to integrate something. So I yeah. I don't doubt that he maybe was trying to do something a little bit differently in this one because you almost would expect him to be amping up his normal persona rather than kind of playing it down. Yeah, yeah. But cuz Jack Slater's kind of an Arnold character but he's kind of just an every action guy. He's he's yeah. a little bit more like the cop character than the kind of terminator or the barbarian or whatever so i don't know i think there is something about like what what kind of character he's playing he's he, in addition to spoofing a lot of characters he's kind of played he's also playing a new character who does have this interior life and i i, I have to say one of the most affecting moments in the movie is when he's in the real world and he says like uh, well you know not just how would you feel if your life was made up but like they killed my son just to like they threw my son off a building just to make me sad all the time. Yeah. Like the notion of being you're, you've been made up by writers who are torturing you. Yeah. Um, I'm almost yeah. surprised he didn't like go to the writer's house and beat him up or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like uh Deadpool kills the Marvel universe. Yeah. Like where he goes <laughs> to the writers and kills them. It right. really felt like he could have done something like that. In fact, like, I can imagine a sharp version of this. I mean, he would have to agree to it. He would he I I don't I wouldn't want him doing production. I can see The Rock doing a really cool version of this. This like self-aware thing, but it would I don't want I don't want him production do, do, team doing it. I want somebody else who could like control it a little more doing it, but I could see the Rock doing something like this. I would this. have zero interest in seeing The Rock oh, no. play this. I, I'm so out on him. I mean, you know, one day maybe something will change, but I'm so out he, on him. He kind of he kind of play he kind of plays a version of that at the beginning of the other guys, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Kinda, he, he really does. Sort of kind of. Yeah. And I, I, odd as this is to say, but the Jumanji movies kind of give him a chance to like yeah. tweak tweak yeah. his persona in 100%. a similar. In a similar. Sense. And Young Rock kind of captures it too. It's like the combination of the three things we've mentioned. Yeah. Is, are the last, last action hero in one thing. But yeah, like, I really think it's like a something affecting me about it. Like, it, 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 it it's bad. Like, yeah, let's, there's some bad things to it, but like, I think that there's like some, you know, M. Mary Abraham just being like his normal, you know, the sleazy Scarface guy, but, but, but like a, well, but I mean, that's a great example. He's definitely amping up something and playing sort of a type that you sort of can tell from the beginning. Oh, yes. he's he's not on the yes. up and up here. Yes. So it's a little bit like cartoony, but I mean, it's similar to the chief, the way he's just, I love the scene where he's like talking so fast that his words are slurring together. And it's just like, he's not yeah, even human yeah. at that point. He's got like smoke coming out of his ears. Um, uh, I don't know. There, yeah, there was there were there were a lot of fun things about this. I think there are so like you know I would pref I, you know like, what you're calling bad. I think is like I think of this just like there's clunky moments and transitions that that don't really work. But like it's not one of those movies. I sometimes watch an older movie and I'm like, how did they even think that climax made sense? Because there's so they're they're so often in older movies. It's like they don't capture on like nowadays maybe you see too much with CGI. But it used to be that sometimes they would just barely show you what was supposed to be happening and you would kind of have to put it together. This yeah. movie. He's yeah. got like some pretty decent action in it in that sense. And I do think mm. it's a little stylized. And I also think it's funny that the world that they that, that Jack Slater escapes into is a world that is supposedly the real world, but it's all it's got its own little heightened ways of being not the real world. Like for instance, when Benedict is shooting the gun and no one <laughs> 
like comes to anybody's help. Like that's yeah. like more cartoony than the world uh, of the movies that he comes from. Yeah, hundred percent. And then the other thing that was like that for me was even though this is supposedly the real world it seems like the only movies are Jack Slater movies because the movie theater is still playing Jack Slater three and Jack Slater four is about to come out. Yeah. And so it's like, it had this thing of like, this is just the world of Jack Slater movies being the only movies. So the um, point where like MC hammer pulled him aside was like, Hey, what's up with that? Uh, the soundtrack no, talking about like, five. Yeah. God damn. Like, <laughs> but, but that is, it is an incredible, <laughs> it, it, it's weird. Cause it, it's so much worse now than it used to be. But like this heightened, like, when's the next thing coming? Yeah. You know, oh, man, these people are extra pretty. This is weird. There's no regular looking people. It's like this heightened version of the world that seen through this this movie lens. And we get it, it feels sometimes, especially with like superhero movies and stuff like that, less and less grounded things. Just, just regular things with people. I mean, we see ourselves in those movies, but I mean, like you telling me about a a, a, a smaller movie, the A twenty four movie with uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Like, it makes me happy because I'm like, okay, there's there's a thing with people who are not doing any magic or not not explosions are behind them. They aren't killing a million people. It's like, I love it. I love it because there's so many more things like the the commentary of this movie was kind of describing that exists now on everything i mean you, you know pick your stream or pick your you know pick your poison but um yeah it got me in the fields man I, i'm like i wanna i want this now so i purchased it in real time on this goddamn show it's coming <laughs> in a couple of days i'm gonna watch the shit out of it again um, I have to say one of the biggest laughs I got out of the movie was the uh that the the Hamlet uh yes, yeah, vision. Yeah. To be or not to be, not to be. <laughs> it's just so I mean, exactly the right kind of stupid. Yeah. It reminded me of Tropic Thunder. Like that so, and I think that would be the movie that I was thinking of at points during this of like, okay, it's got that sort of Tropic Thunder. This is not like super clever, super intricate satire. Right. It's more like punch you in the gut satire, but it's um maybe bridging more towards parody than satire in some ways, but like, um, no, I think that it, uh, you know, it's funny to think that in 1993, they were making observations that they still haven't overcome some of these cliches in, in action movies, you know? Um, and, uh, I, I have to say that was the stuff that I really did have fun with was the, you know, just the difference in like, they come out to the real world and they can run out of bullets. They don't run out of bullets in their world. That kind of thing is just yeah, like, yeah. it's like the joke you've made in your head. But when you start to pile it up, it was a funny way for Jack Slater to like, to, you get both versions, you get the kid in the world of the movies, and then you get him coming out into the, into the real world, rather than it being like, Oh, that's the sequel. They went ahead yeah. and kind of spun this concept in a lot of different ways. And Tom yeah. Newton is a lot of fun as the Ripper too. I mean, that's like, oh, he's so good. Man. Always good. Very meta casting. I was thinking, yeah. like, what else had he done aside from um, Manhunter, where he had played this kind of killer? But I, I bet he probably had done a, a few things at this point where he was like, just, oh, you're the creepy guy. <laughs> mm. Yeah, man. What was he in? He was in, well, I don't know, Manhunter. Uh, he was in Monster Squad as Frankenstein's right. Monster. Right, right. I don't know. He was in something else. I don't remember what else. Wasn't he in Heat? But I, I don't know if that was before Ro Ro that. Robocop 2. He was in Heat, but that was after. That was 95. Okay. Yeah, that was 95. 
Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I, this is this is a and, and again, I feel like I feel like it like it was good timing because, like the comments that he makes about it in his uh the the, the docu series on Netflix really kind of like, um, kind of registered with me because it does it does kind of put things into perspective because it is the kind of thing where you, you know, it 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 is this it is the, that that cliche of like, you know you know somebody gets to the highest point that they've been and like the next step is is arguably their lowest you know and it's like building back to you know some version of that again but like to think of someone you know and you know and he says the way it affected him but just to think like just objectively looking at his rise yeah. you know the transition from you know his his success as a bodybuilder to an actor you know that literally is the peak of Arnoldness. Is 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 that early '90s? Uh, you know, going from you know twin. I mean, um, kindergarten cop in the T2, and then there's this bump, and then even and then True Lies comes along, and it's like a monster again, and it's just like, oh, there he is, <laughs> and it's and then it's twins, and then it's Jingle All the Way, and it's you know he's got a a couple more big monster hits. But it's just like that story of like, you know, you can only go, there's only, you know, like you've, the next step is like always so questionable. And like for him to say how much it really kind of devastated him and even like Jim Cameron talking about it in the docuseries, like, you know, as being one of the only times he really could tell that like Arnold was like defeated about something. It's just, it's crazy. Cause again, in my eyes as a kid, then I'm just like, oh, this is another cool honor sport. Like, I didn't detect a beat missed necessarily. Right. Cause I was still all in on him as like the guy to me. Like, I, I'm of the age where like Arnold Schwarzenegger is probably, if not without question, like the biggest action star of my life. Yeah. You know, there are other people that would be in the conversation, but a pound for pound, box office, all that stuff. I don't know, you know, there's maybe two other people I can think of that you could probably argue with. But I mean, this is like a true action star, like not like not dipping into sci-fi, you know, anything like that. Like this is like the I don't know, just like uh I mean even him. though Predator and and Terminator are sci-fi, I know what you mean. He, it still seems like he defines them well, as I, action. Yeah, I, I think of somebody way. like Harrison Ford. I'm just like he's, you know, that'd be box office wise somebody who would compete in my eyes with, with him, but that's because of the involvement with Indy and, you know, star Wars, but like, you know, going from movie to movie with the exception of Terminator and not having movies that are sequels, you know, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Van Damme, like these are the stars of like my, those were the action guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, they talk and, about that in the doc that like, he yeah, kind of heralded sure. that, that era of like, and it actually is sort of, they're like, <laughs> No, oh, because of him, like he, you know, the cigars became popular and driving cars that totally. are way too big. But it's yeah. that Reagan era action, and he, and even he says something about it. it was all about the body. It was all about being the. Yeah. And and I at this, at, you know, this is another reason why I might have missed this movie. I was a much more, and this is a great segue as we do this. Uh, but uh, you know, even though we got to we got to pick the next required viewing too. But uh, but like I was a much more of a Harrison Ford guy uh, or a Bruce Willis guy in the yeah. sense of like. A, a guy who's more human looking who gets knocked around and gets knocked on his ass and gets hurt and and doesn't look like he's going to win and i used to look at arnold as like he's he's funny i kind of i kind of you know i kind of get the the vibe that people like about him but i don't get invested in his movies because he does seem like he's designed to be 
unstoppable. And I, I know that's part of the appeal, but it's an interesting right. difference in like, what is your action hero? Like maybe Indiana Jones or Harrison Ford was like the best adventure guy. Uh, but the action guys were a little bit different, you know? Yeah. yeah um, yeah, yeah. and it's, it, but it's a definite, I mean, you know, it's definitely an era and it's funny that this, I, I think that's so funny, Steve, you and Ronald both said the same thing. And Ronald and I were talking about this last night at the screening that, you know, that pre box office consciousness of like, you just think every movie that comes out is supposed to be the best thing and you yeah. go see it and you really try to like it and totally. you, and you, and to the notion that it would flop or that people would hate it would just be like, what, you know, people aren't talking yeah. about just their, their favorite parts for a week. It's like, no, people are walking out of this in a bad mood because they thought it sucked or this movie's a disappointment because it didn't beat this other movie. And it's like, yeah, that's much later that that kind of thinking creeps into the way you, you kind of filter your views of movies through, you know, whatever that conversation is about them. And I think nowadays that discourse is what we talk about it, how much it's, it kills certain movies for us that like, we don't like to even talk about certain things we may love <laughs> because sure. it's just yeah. the, like star Wars is now 0% fun uh, to talk about uh, publicly, except with you guys. Right. right. Um, well, I'm glad we watched this. I mean, honestly, yeah, it was no, a, it, it's Nikki a came through earlier and said, why are you watching the last action hero? But she wasn't saying <laughs> it like that's bad. She was just like, why this all of a sudden, you the know, random. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to see what the next pick is, Ronald. It is it is your turn. Yes. Um, my movie is a very obvious Ridley Scott neo-noir 80s movie. Ah, wow. Black Rain. Nice. I fucking picked Black Rain. I picked it because I've always heard about this movie. I've never seen it. It's on two things for free, surprisingly. It's on YouTube for free. Like, you can go on YouTube, type in Black Rain, and it is officially like wow. a movie that you can watch for free on there. And then Tubi. I pro you probably want to watch it on YouTube, right? Because it's like built into everything. It's like on your TV, on your right. Roku's, on your, you know, it's like damn near on everything. But Black Rain is a movie that I'm choosing. Um, I just really recently got into Blade Runner. Just just like the concept of it. I, sometimes it just takes a while for me to get into a thing that people are like, I, I have to attach myself to an idea of it that I can relate to, not what somebody else is telling me. You have to come to it on your own terms. You sure. do. You really do. Um, and, you know, you guys kind of helped um, but yeah, I, I really liked it. And I'm like, why don't I give this one a try? Michael Douglas as the lead in a <laughs> neo-noir movie by Ridley Scott that came out like Yeah, right after right after he wins an Oscar for Wall Street. Right. Yeah. Like what what? I'm ready. I'm ready to see it. it I, looks I, I, strange. This, I've never this seen movie it. has a special spot in my mind, Ronald, because the trailer or some commercial for it that came uh -huh. out. I, I never see saw it either. So this is great. Oh, cool. Great have you um, seen it, Steve? I have. All right. Okay. I own, <laughs> I, I own this movie. But the trailer Whoa, for it so that cool. came out was it lived on in my friends and I, uh, our world as a joke because the the trailer the the guy says a New York cop on the trail of a killer and we were all like whoa <laughs> we've never seen that before. <laughs> I mean then it is different. He goes to Japan and stuff. So right, right, um, right. no, I, I can't. I, I I've I, you know Ridley Scott is one of those people who you know is gonna. Is gonna like if there's gonna be some style to a movie, mm. so it's gonna so this movie's gonna feel like 1989, unlike any other movie, I bet. Um, and I can't wait to I can't wait to check that out. Great choice on the Ooh. old Black Rain. So I guess Steve, you could save your feelings, but if you own it, I'm assuming that you have some affection for it. 
<clears throat> yeah, I mean, yeah, I remember this movie fondly. And <laughs> yeah, okay. I, 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 I bought the Blu-ray that came out like there was like a special edition Blu-ray, like I'm trying to look it up to see exactly when it was when I, I know I own it. 2007. It's a yeah special collector's edition. Yes, yes. It was uh, <laughs> because, you know, honestly, like that, that's still in that time where like in the in the you know, early 2000s through like the teens, like where I was buying all the Blu-rays for the movies that like I really liked slash loved. Mm. So yeah, teaser alert. I remember really liking Black Rain. Um, don't know if I loved it. But anyway, I would buy them because like I was all about the special features. Yeah. And, oh yeah. You know, that That's you. one specifically where I was like always so curious because I, yeah, fan of Ridley Scott's, his filmmaking process. It's always so in- interesting to see him talk about me, you know, what he's made. Um, and that I can remember that Blu-ray. There's so many awesome uh, like oh, behind wow. the scenes, like featurettes about the making of it, like with never before seen interviews with Keaton and Andy Garcia's in it. And it's just like uh, a very timely thing, like late right turning to the 90s. And I don't know, I, I think it came out in 89, 88, yeah. 89. But um. Yeah, that that I can see the cover for the Blu-ray like somewhere on my shelf somewhere now, but yeah, I'm excited to watch it again. That that's a great pick and uh, thanks. Yeah, man, I'm I'm excited to watch it. Just, uh, and you said it's on YouTube and where else? Uh, Tubi. Tubi and YouTube. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know oh, who oh. stars in this movie? Uh, I believe might even be the female lead in this. Who? It's Kate Capshaw. You know what yeah, we first saw her is. in? <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, probably. You did that Maybe. intentionally, right? Uh, uh, you know, who just had a new movie in theaters and has it out right now, in fact, is Indiana Jones, the same guy from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, wowzer. <laughs> I yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, so Steve, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed that you couldn't make it to this. I yeah. think Ronald and I are going to do the, the, the Lord's work here. We're going to be spoiler-free in the way that we talk about this movie. Appreciate that. Um, but, I, but I think we still will talk about maybe some themes or some ideas that hopefully you can in, take part in. So I would say you don't need cool. to check out. You don't need to mute us. Um, but, you know, you guys, for, for a, the few years that we recorded this podcast in my basement, for much of that time, I had a... Uh, shirtless Harrison Ford from Temple of Doom poster hanging on my wall. Now that that didn't stay up on my wall my whole life, but when I when I was allowed to kind of turn the basement into my recording setup and where I you know have my office set up, I was sure. allowed to put up a few posters. So Indiana Jones was one of the ones that went up. But I mean, you know, I grew up with this guy. I already said it was kind of my guy. Raiders for me um was a movie that uh, uh back when I had cousins that were like good friends with my sister that were uh, uh, the children of my um, my dad's brother. My dad would go out of town to Nashville to visit his brother and take my sister with him because uh, she had kids her age there to hang out with. And they would leave me at home because I didn't necessarily have anyone there my age to hang out with. And so my mom and I would be sitting there on a Friday night. Uh, this happened a lot, you know, and she would just look to me and say, you want to go see Indy? And I would say, yep. And we would open up the paper and it would say Raiders of the Lost Ark held over I, I remember one time it said held over for 56th week. Um, wow. <laughs> but I know, I know we saw it in the theater like, you know, six or seven times. And it was like, but it would be, you want to go see Indy. It was like, what time is Indy? Um, uh, so, yeah, 
huge movie from my childhood. One of the movies that I think helped foster my love of movies and a certain kind of storytelling. I love the sort of good news, bad news, you're up, you're down style of action storytelling. Um, and I've already said, I love that this guy gets knocked on his ass and he gets, he's vulnerable and, you know, all the things that Harrison Ford can bring to this type of role. Indiana Jones kind of seemed like it's his, in the same way that we've been talking recently about Tom Cruise, he's got Ethan Hunt as kind of his franchise. Um, as, as, as indelible as he was as Han Solo, it always seemed like Harrison Ford was more invested in Indiana Jones as like something that he's excited about, something he cares about treating it in a certain way. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously I, I had a lot going into this movie of just, I had kind of a little mental list that I made of like, what do I expect from this movie? And I think one of the things I wanted was I wanted to... I wanted it to uh, make use of what it has going for it. When you hear Phoebe Waller-Bridge is in it and you hear Toby Jones is in it and you hear Mads Mikkelsen is in it and Antonio Banderas, I was like, is this going to be another one of these, you know, Marvel, DC, Star Wars, whatever movies where you hear the cast and you start to drool and then you go see the movie and you go, well, they didn't really use all the ingredients that they had. Right, right. Um, and I think they did. I say they did. I say all those people I just mentioned have some fun, memorable stuff to do, and they have real characters to play. One thing I also wanted to say, was it going to show us more of the characters, show us something new and different parts of the character's world? And I think this takes place in 1969. We're getting an old Indiana Jones. We're getting some stuff in New York. It's right after the moon landing has happened. Uh, and astronauts are back. There's so much that's different. So, And we're seeing a lot more of like his home life, too. So this is very much like new, new Indiana Jones stuff. And then I thought, like all the other movies, it, it needs to stand on its own. If it's too much of a nostalgia fest, it can't it can't be as good as the as the best of this series. Uh, is is it going to be too referential and Easter egg filled? And I would say <laughs> it managed to stand on its own. So the the final question is, and this is probably what you're wondering more than anything else, Steve, and what you know the answer to in your heart, Ronald. But in my heart, this answer is a yes too. Does it leave us in a better place? than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull did. If that was to be the last Indiana Jones movie, do you feel better walking out of this one than you did that one? And that is a resounding yes for me. So by my own little silly metrics, this movie is a success. I mean, like, I'm a fan of these movies. It it was kind of right, right into the heart for me in so many ways. I'm sure if someone's not a fan of these movies, they might say, oh, this is just the typical whatever. But I see a lot of ways this movie is special. And uh, so it's very strange for me to see how much the conversation started off so mixed negative about the movie. I don't know if you've noticed the the Rotten Tomatoes score has crept up a little bit as, yeah. uh, you know, more uh, mainstream critics, I guess, or more you might call like nerd, you know, film Twitter, whatever, more that that crowd has been reviewing it as opposed to yeah. the con audience. Um, but, you know, I think this is almost like pre-sold. If you go into this movie wanting to like it, I think you already are a fan and you'll probably find something to like. And if you go into this movie thinking like, is this going to make me a fan of Indiana Jones? I don't know. It might. But for me, this was just, it was just all that, that I just said. It was like, it felt like a, a very valid addition to these movies. And I'm very glad. Like I walked out to the car and I realized I was still smiling when I was, when I was starting the car. Um, and you know, that's not always the case when you're at walk out of a movie alone. Usually you sure. kind of forget you even saw a movie by the time you're at your car. <laughs> So I don't know. I guess I'll throw it to you, Ronald. I mean, without getting into specifics, you know, what's your own feeling about this series and and what's your own feeling about this uh, this movie? Sure. Um, Indiana Jones is a, a special series, but it, I don't like I think I need to revisit it. I think uh, it, it didn't hit me super hard when I was a kid. But every time that I it comes on, I can watch it. It's fun. It's like it it tackles a, a, a version of exploration and action that i'm just it hits on all cylinders right um 
this movie. So you were talking about meta postmodern meta movies and stuff like that, right? Um, I think there's hope. I hope. I pray. After movies like Top Gun, that there's this shift to things that are less um kind of two Spider-Men pointing at each other. Less wink wink. Yeah, less wink wink, less self-referentials, less I mean, because I, I think things can make a commentary on the genre without being so like I'm gonna say community or Simpsons or yeah, you know, yeah. No, wink, no, wink. no, I know exactly what you mean. It's like yeah. we assume it of things that they have to be self-aware and they have to make a joke before you get a chance to make the joke. Yeah. And it turns into that's the universe yeah. that these movies take place in is like irony town. Yes. This is the first time that I've watched a movie and been so against the general thoughts about it on Rotten Tomatoes that I think that like they're missing it. I think they're missing that this thing might be a little more straightforward because it's really trying to be that on purpose. Like it's not trying to be boring or anything. It just is an action film that is a sequel that is paying homage to uh, a series of of really good movies. It's fun. I, it's silly. The logic is wacky. But if you look at the other ones, they were kind of the same way. The good ones. I say the good ones. All but the yeah. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> which they, which still has moments, but you're right. As a yeah, movie, it feels yeah, like, a, like a construction. It doesn't have the same soul of yeah, as the other ones. Yeah. Let's just be let's just be clear that like nostalgia sometimes can blind people's perception of what's good and what's bad when it comes to the you know, new versions of things. Like if it, it you know, I may feel like it's stepping on the toes of it, but maybe it's just paying homage to it in a way that feels just good. And I think this is, I think this is a fun movie. The action scenes are nonstop crazy. This is like some of the best cinema I've seen filmed for action films in a minute. Like, yeah. I'm talking so like there's gun fu stuff, which I love. That's a you know, you know how I feel about my gun violence and karate. But this is something different. This is something that I haven't seen in a while. It's something like I I've I've just I've been kind of deprived of just straightforward action, like things exploding, people beside each other shooting at each other, people getting clotheslined off of things. God damn, this thing is fun. Now, one thing that may bother the shit out of people is the CGI when it comes to Harrison Ford. This is the thing, man. However they render this stuff, it's not rendered in the same quality as the camera work, right? So, like, you're looking at behind you is 4K, bigger, better, sharpest thing that you've ever seen in your life. And then on his face is something that's not quite as clear. And your eyes... The primal part of your brain is like that's, that's and Ronald, that's, and you know what they also miss is there's a highlight missing from the eye or something. Yes, gives it life. It's not in every shot. There's some shots where what you're talking about. We should tell people there's like an opening flashback where they de-age Harrison Ford. If you've yeah, seen the trailers, you've seen this stuff. And so there's a few shots that look great. Yeah. The longer they stay on him, though, and th- it's not so much the de-aging that's bad. It's the combination of de-aging and digital body replacement and young stuntman and probably some scenes where it's old Harrison Ford and they're digitally de-aging him. And it reminds me, remember in Steve, when people were talking about how Robert De Niro and the Irishman were like 
like oh oh he looks younger but when he goes to hit the guy he looks like an 80 year old guy doing yeah it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah. a scene in the flashback where indiana jones is walking up a hill and it's just that's an 80 year old man walking up the hill and they've yeah. made him i mean Har harrison ford is in great shape for his age and they make the movie really lets him play his age and look great so that's not the problem but it's this weird thing ronald of like and i thought about it what solution could have worked better there's really not a good solution when you have like a half hour stretch of this movie that because yeah. so much setup occurs in that flashback you can't say just cut the flashback off because yeah. then you'd have like 10 more scenes of exposition. Yeah. So it's just yeah. a risk they took. It's one of the two big swings. I won't talk about the other swing. It's one of the two big swings this movie takes is okay. to say, let's let's have a whole chunk that's young Harrison yeah. Ford. And it's going to work for some people or not. My last thought about it, Ronald, I want to say this to you. The screening we saw last night was on an IMAX screen and it was very bright. Oh, my uh, God. I, I saw it today with Nikki and Henry. Okay. On a slightly smaller screen. It's still big. It's the biggest screen at the Towson Cinemark. So it's not a small screen, but slightly, slightly smaller screen. And it was a less bright pro uh, projection. Mm -hmm. It looked way better. Oh, wow. Because I walked out last night going, oh, man, that de-aging stuff was weird. <laughs> it was crazy. And today, I, and I told Nikki and Henry, man, this movie's really good, but get ready for some weird de-aging stuff. And yeah, then watching yeah. the movie, I was like, man, I oversold it to them. This does not look nearly as it bad as bad. it did last night. So I do Damn. think there's a possibility of it might be what you're talking about, though, is perfect. Because if it's being rendered at a, the wrong resolution, the you know, it's just like when you start zooming in on a picture. That's where it starts to fall apart is when yeah, you're zooming in so too much. True. So it might be that it can't handle being projected that huge until yeah. they they need to render a few more pixels into that. I don't, that's the yeah. right word, right? They just take some yeah. pixels and rub it, on the just rub it on. Yeah, we we can't. We're not going to spoil the, the the swing. We have to talk about the swing though, like just in terms of how big it is. Yeah. Now you so Steve, the swing that we're referring to is a grand slam. All bases loaded, boom, out of the park. Weird, like it's that weird of a, it's like, if this is, this will, this is such an extreme swing <laughs> that you could almost be on the verge of like, maybe taking a knife through the screen. Or if you like it, like a pirate, like I, Literally I think coming down the screen. I think it's both those, Ronald. I th honestly think it's like you, <laughs> they, they know you might feel weird about the swing. Yeah. And the movie continually makes you think, oh, are they going to, oh, wait, no. <laughs> I think ultimately what they do is really, for me, it was really successful. Yeah. Uh, especially because of the thematic aspect of it for this yeah, character. 100%. But man, you're so right. You're enjoying this movie and you're like, that these Indiana Jones movies, they always do something. There's always something at the end that might be like totally different, you know. And it's like, are they going to pull it off? And it, it's, I started to get nervous. Like, is this? Are they? Are they about to break yeah. this movie that I was really enjoying? And yeah. in my opinion, they did not. But you're right. That I mean, it's funny. It's just a funny. It's like the thing they're not talking about in the trailers, and so no yeah. one should reveal it. But I'll, it's kind of the no theme of the film. Yeah, I hope that nobody spoils it before you know the end of the weekend. Like it's just. Steve, it is so fucking bold. It is like not, I've never seen anything like this before. I've never fucking seen a thing like this before. And it's so weird, but it works. I, and I think that like, so again, that's that thing I'm telling, I'm, I'm talking about like a throwback to when things were just what they were on the screen. Yeah. It's, it's, it's gone. If, if you're, if you think you're, there's a population, you, let's let's be honest man and and we're we're part of it too 
that think they're smarter than the than what they're seeing on the screen. That think yeah. they're above it, that they can kind of like that's like and, their starting position when they consume anything is yes. to always believe they're smart. If there's something they don't like about it, it's yes. because the person who made it is stupid. Yes, yes. Or <laughs> yeah, there's this like this holier than thou thing that happens. But if you relax, if you just enjoy it for what it is, man, I think that the swing works, especially since it's not what you think it is. Like it, it starts off crazy, like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's almost like you're falling off of a cliff and then it pulls you back up. Like, yeah, it's not quite what you think it is, but it is crazy. But then it's it's crazy, but it's also so set up by the themes of the movie. And if you think about what we know about this character and what he cares about, it's yeah. the perfect like final swing to give yeah. this character this this thing. Um uh, and I, I, we, we haven't talked about it yet. I, I, I think that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is amazing in this movie. I think, I think she so lights up the screen and is like, so it's like, she's the first kind of, I don't know, co-lead in one of these movies that feels to me like she competes with Marion yeah. in the, in the first movie, as far as like, she's so fun. She's so on top of what the tonal thing she's supposed to be doing is. And I almost feel like there's like, she's going into every scene going like, I know how to walk away with this scene and you're up against Harrison Ford in the hat, you know? And so it's like, she can do almost anything to walk away with the scene. And he's so, he's so grumpy and grim looking. I don't know. It's just like, it's, it, I was really amazed at how much that worked without feeling like it was some new thing they were bringing to the movie. It really felt like, oh, this is the kind of, the kind of, you know, female character he's interacted with all along as somebody who kind of is on the adventure with him. And at times it really felt like in this one, he was asking to be brought along on the adventure with this much more dynamic person. And I thought that brought a real interesting element to this as like, that's another way they're letting him play his age is yeah. that he's kind of the one going, well, you need to take me along, not the one everybody, you know, like uh, Henry said something really smart about it, you know, coming out of the movie. He said, the world doesn't, the world of these movies don't, they, they, people don't know him as Indiana Jones. He's just this college professor. Maybe yeah. like back in the 40s, people knew who he was or his name might have been out there. But now he's like nobody, you know, that there's was, something kind of cool about that. Yeah, <clears throat> there's a that, that line that Mads Mikkelsen says about like him, people like him, like basically dying off. Yeah. Like characters like him dying off. Like there's yeah. like this cool part, Steve, where like Mads is approaching him and, and it's like this like. In the in the middle of this villainy, Mad says this really weirdly emotional thing to him, like people like me and you are dying. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. a weird, it's like a weird thing that like they they exchange that, that only Mads can really pull off. Um, there's another thing I, I want to mention: the kid Teddy, played by e, uh, Ethan Isidori, yeah, um, is so fun to watch with, so likable, um, so likable to watch with uh, Phoebe. Kind of in 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 indie kind of they're kind of bouncing off of each well, other. Well, she's kind of like his short round. Yeah, or, or, yeah. I mean, he's kind of like her short round. Her short round like, yeah. um, but it, right down to when they explain how they met, it's very similar to the story that you hear in Temple of Doom about how short round became Indy's friend. So it's like one of, the, but I mean, Steve, that's an example of the kind of Easter egg the movie gives you. Oh, this relationship kind of reminds me of his relationship with short round. There's yeah. really not. I mean, I honestly, I think it's it's like. I was thinking of going into this going, the movies we really need to compare this to are all the sort of like Disney era Lucasfilm properties, all the Star Wars stuff, mm. like because that's really what it's being made alongside more, much yeah. more so yeah. in common with that than the old Indiana Jones movies. And I think this did not feel like I was walking into this feeling like this is going to feel like one of those new Star Wars movies. 
where they they had a bunch of pieces and they kind of cobbled it together. But it doesn't. It feel like they had a story and a script and a real director, James Mangold, who's no Spielberg when it comes to some of the stuff that we know Spielberg for. But you 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 said it, Ronald. Some of these action scenes, like it's not quite Mission Impossible where you feel the charge of like the stunts. But there's moments where I flinched or jumped in my seat because their car goes down the stairs or you know his head almost gets knocked off by by a brick or something. Like yeah. I, I jumped and and moved in my seat. It didn't feel like I was watching pixels versus pixels as you so often feel in these movies but um but i think that i don't know that 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 tone of we're going to make you think of these other movies but we're not going to spend a lot of time like making in jokes it it really does stand on its own like a james bond movie or like a classic indiana jones movie would where you just it's like it's the new it's the latest indiana jones adventure and if you just saw this one it kind of gives you everything you need to know there's really only one major throwback in terms of dialogue that you're supposed to recognize for a previous movie, but it's also delivered in such a way that I think it would be effective even if you if you didn't know the context. But Ronald, people who love these movies, just like Mads Mikkelsen was saying, they're dying off. Like this, this is like a test of like right. a, a character that is like I love him and I think people love Harrison Ford still, but like man, this is a risk for Disney to spend nearly $300 million making yeah. this thing. Even if you can pretty, like what you were saying, Ronald, you see that on the screen. There's some yeah. amazing photography and amazing set pieces, but yeah. man, what a risk. It I, is a I, super I, risk. Man. So, so, and, and the marketing has to have been off the chain because I feel like I've been seeing ads for it nonstop for the last month, you know? So how can it possibly be a success by that? I don't metric? think that it can be, man. Like, I don't think that it can be the one that they want it to be. Like, I think people are so far removed from from it and that's no offense to it that's no offense it's just you know people would rather watch it on a streamer or something like that but this i mean this is a this is a theatrical experience that is so fun it sounds unreal it looks unreal don williams score is incredible like oh, he, so good. he really showed up and there's some there's some cool new themes but there's a lot of very very familiar theme like he's he always does that with indiana jones and star wars he'll roll out the familiar themes and then add some new character themes and this one is like one of his more hummable recent scores i think so yeah that's one more thing that makes it feel like indiana jones you don't have spielberg directing but the 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 williams score goes a long way to make it It feel like this is the real deal it does man i'm i enjoyed it so much i really enjoyed it especially in comparison to kingdom of the crystal skull like oh, yeah. it is so much like it is a leaps and bounds better than and it has some emotional beats that i think you'll enjoy too man. no i have a feeling you. yeah I, there's two or three moments that that killed me whenever a moment kills me i always think like oh this might kill steve too i don't know why i guess i think <laughs> i think that you i think that you just have your 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 heart literally open when you're in a movie I, theater uh, the way that i do so yeah like a joe so pesci well. laugh just out yeah <laughs> <laughs> i may get him it was so funny, man. Who's uh, funny? But... What's funny? <laughs> Talking to me? Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited to see it. I, it's just John, you mentioned the 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 budget for it, and I'm just like I just I, I don't know. Like, there's so many situations where like these movies coming out are just I, I just feel like they're set up to fail. You yeah. know, I just feel like you know I I, I again I also I love the franchise. I love indie. I love Harrison Ford. Um, I liked crystal skull more than most people although i do you know it's it's the the least of the series for me having seen what i've seen but like i just um i just like i can't help but look at you know these movies and the budgets you know even last week talking about no hard feelings like a comedy like that which you know in some ways performs better than people thought it would 
yeah by opening to like 15 million dollars yeah you know but how does a movie like that cost whatever it was 45 or 45 yeah like how does it call how does indiana jones how does this indiana jones cost 300 million dollars or 295 when like and you know and it's noted and even what you guys describe about some of the stuff like a lot of it being shot in the volume and like things like that it's like that that's where the money's going but i'm just like the money's going somewhere like the practical stuff would just be so much better to look at maybe. Um, But I just, I just can't believe what these movies, you know, it's just, it's crazy how high the bar and the average has just raised over and over and over again. And um, it kind of bums me out, honestly, because I just feel like, you know, if this movie even performs well, I'm like, it still has to do an insane worldwide performance to really, be you know in, in a in a successor you know because marketing and pna it's just like it's just crazy like what they spend on this stuff before it even hits a screen right and and a, and a property like this that it has such a legacy i just feel like that is something that just spiraled way too high and it's just like is there is the want there like they're brought they're estimating like a 60 to 70 million dollar opening weekend mm-hmm. and i mean it's like okay well that's literally like uh, a, a sixth or a seventh of like what the film costs right. along with its marketing budget. Like how, well, how it does, might make more than it... that internationally, but then that still is only half of the budget after uh, it, it just movies, you know, movies that hit that number usually rack up the number a lot faster nowadays, it seems. And so like, yeah. you're, you're not expecting that second, third week to be huge, especially when you've got some stuff on the horizon. That's likely to, to knock it out of the park. Right. It doesn't have a, it doesn't have any kind of window to, to really perform. I mean, maybe it finds legs and sticks around. But yeah, you're talking about you you have Mission, Oppenheimer, Bart. We have all these movies yeah. over the next three weeks that are going to be taking screens away from the movie and the audience that it's going after. You know, it's, it's just have more heat. Hairs. Than yeah. The name Indiana yeah. Jones hasn't Absolutely. been talked about as much as Oppenheimer and Barbie and even Mission Impossible, you know, in recent yeah. recent weeks. So. I can't. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning on going to see it tomorrow. I'm off work, so I'm, I'm going to check it out. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it. So we'll see. Cool. Um, was there anything else you guys saw movie wise? We're holding the TV conversation. Did you see any other movies that you wanted to mention before we wrap up the episode? Did I see any other movie? No, no, I did. I did not I think so. Wow. All TV shows. That's crazy. Yeah, crickets. Just, just stockpiling for next week episode. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, then that's it then. So again, Ronald's pick for the next required viewing is the 1989 Ridley Scott neo-noir. Ronald's that's the that's the buzzy word right there. Neo-noir. Michael Douglas, <laughs> Andy Garcia, Black Rain, which is on YouTube and Tubi, if you want to watch it with us for free. Um, that'll be on in two weeks again, because next week we're going to do the TV Shmeevee catch up and go through a bunch of the television that we've been watching recently. Um, but you can go to movieshmovie.com, check out uh, past episodes, jump into whatever podcast platform. If you found us for the first time or finally want to commit to subscribing, you can subscribe right from that website and youtube.com slash movie podcast. If you want to see the, you know, visual option for that we offer for this, uh, for this podcast, and if you go there, make sure you hit subscribe and hit the bell so you get notifications when the new episodes come out on a weekly basis. Again, next week, TV Shmeevee, the weekend after that, or the week after that, we'll go into uh, hopefully reviewing the new comedy Joyride and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. 
It's exciting. That's a, it's a exciting coming weeks here, guys, at Movie Movie. But again, thank you for listening. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye. Not to be. <laughs> Are you saying not to be or not to watch Black Widow? <laughs> John saying I'm saying I'm, I'm, I'm saying not, not to be. be. He said bye, and I'm saying not to be. This is not to be goodbye. Uh, I, I thought be. you said not to be. Use YouTube instead. <laughs> Don't watch to be. Don't Jewel watch. tool. Not to be. <laughs>